Welcome to the sag After Foundation's Conversations podcast. The sag After Foundation believes that contributions made to our culture by performing arts are not only valuable, but also essential. And so we provide free programming and services like this podcast to support them. If you'd like to learn more about the sag After Foundation or access the full library of our conversations or make a donation to support this podcast, please visit sagaftra.foundation. That's www.sagaftra.foundation. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SagAfterFound. Thanks, and enjoy the conversation. Um, I'm Mark Pikert from uh, Backstage Magazine, and joining me tonight is Laverne Cox from Orange is the New Black, the Emmy-nominated star of Orange is the New Black. Hi. Hello, everyone. You look so good tonight. I, I, I can't believe it's not a packed house. I'm very disappointed. But the folks who are here look amazing. How you doing? Hi. So you just watched the episode for which Laverne was nominated for an Emmy just this past month. Making history by being nominated, by the way, this has kind of been a history-making year for you. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, you know, the funny thing is, it's like whatever someone sort of says that you've been nominated for an Emmy, it just feels like my, my body like kind of does a little weird thing. You know, I, 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 I'm very excited to be here, and I, and I, and I love being an actor, and I, and I love actors. And before I booked this job, I, um, and I don't talk about this a lot, but I was, um, I was on a payment plan with my landlord to um, um, stay in my apartment. <laughs> um, I was like majorly behind in my rent, and I didn't get caught up until it was 2012, and I didn't like there was by the end, by like November, it was December actually, because it was after Hurricane Sandy, December of 2012, like the first, my rent was finally paid up um, for, for that year. Finally, for the first time in 2012, it was the, um, the first of the month and that month's rent was paid. Um, and, and then I paid my rent, like, you know, I got made a little money from the show. I paid my rent six months in advance. So like, what's deep, <laughs> what's, what's really, and then like, then six months later, I was like, I, I was still working at a restaurant too. So I shot season one when I was shooting that, I was still working at a place called Lucky Chang's, which doesn't, isn't open anymore. And so I was still, I kept the restaurant job. And so it's like, it's really intense for me to be, to sitting here an Emmy nominee, you know, when so recently, you know, I was barely paying my rent. Um, but I think I wanted to say that here because I think actors kind of get that, right? This is like, this is the gig. <laughs> this is the gig. Um, so, hey. <laughs> well, what, how, did, how did Orange is the New Black come to you? Did you get a breakdown? Did you... Did your agent bring it up? I, I didn't get the break, a breakdown. My agent did, though. Uh, my agent, Paul Halepa, who's here. Where's Paul? Say hi. My agent, make some noise for my agent, Paul. I'm fearing, feeling very, like, you know, f- familiar tonight. So I'm just going to be very, um, probably less formal than um, 
I usually am. But Paul, I've been working with um, for about seven years. And um, I, I went through a period when I was um, not... Um, I would auditioned for many agents and casting directors and stuff. And many agents were like, oh, we don't know what to do with you. And maybe you should move to L.A. And I don't, there's not really any work for you because you're trans and all that stuff. And, and, and Paul saw something in me um, when I auditioned for him. And I actually kind of choked on the audition, actually. Um, uh, but he saw something in me, and, and, and he took a chance on me, and, and I'm really, really grateful for him. So, so make some noise for Paul again. Um, so, so we got, actually, we, I was in an event in August of 2012 uh, with Paul, and Paul was like, we have this, just, this, um, this new Netflix, you know, web series, um, that, and there's a part for you. Um, it's a prison hairstyle. I was like, oh, prison. I was like, cool. And then, um, <laughs> no, I was, I was really, I was excited about playing. I, I, the funny thing is I was, I had been doing research um, on a um, young woman named Cece McDonald, who, and maybe you've probably heard this before, maybe you, some of you haven't. Um, this young woman named Cece McDonald, who is an Af- African-American transgender woman who had been convicted earlier that year um, uh, on, on second-degree murder when she actually was just defending herself and she was serving her time in a men's prison. So I had actually been preparing to interview her for a show called In the Life um, that, that has since lost its funding. And so I had been doing a lot of prison research. So I was like, so I, was, I said prison, cool, because I was just, I was in that sort of mindset and um and my acting coach, Brad Calcaterra, says sometimes things just align, and Brad's here too. Makes a noise for Brad. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, you know, when the audition came, it just sort of all sort of felt like it was it was lined up. And we um, went in and did the audition. We, I did a scene, um, the bathroom scene that you just saw from um, this um, episode, and then I did the um, one scene that Sophia has in episode one. And it was just one audition, no callback. They cast me from the tape. How rare is that? Um, and you know, the stress of callbacks is like, oh my God. So I didn't have to deal with all that. And they just, they just cast me and, and here we are. What were you doing when you got the call? Well, I was on the street, actually. I remember I was in the street, and I don't know, I was walking somewhere. I was coming from doing somewhere on the street, and, and, Paul was, and Paul called me, and he said, you know, you booked the show, and I remember screaming and jumping up and down. And, and the funny thing is I, I started, um, because of my acting coach, Brad Calcaterra, writing down um, things that I'm manifesting. Five in the morning, five things I'm grateful for, and five things I'm manifesting. And having um, the previous year, in 2011, I did like seven independent films, like only one it's gotten distribution. Um, <laughs> We know how that goes. And um, I was like, okay, next year I haven't done TV in a while. Next year I want to have a recurring role in a TV show. And that was like on the list of things that I'd written at the beginning of 2012. And um, by like August, I hadn't worked at all. You know, I hadn't had any acting jobs. I was still working at the restaurant, but no acting jobs in 2012. And I actually had thought about going back, going to grad school. I'd gotten all the materials. I was like, okay, maybe I'm done. <laughs> you know, maybe, you know, I've done some, I've had a great run as an actor. I, maybe it's time to go to grad school. I'm, you know, I'm getting a little bit older. I'm finally over 21. <laughs> and, um... <laughs> Maybe I should go to grad school. And so I like a friend of mine had just um, gone to grad school and he had all these GRE materials and he sold them to me at a discount. So I had like all the GRE materials and like I was like ready to study, you know, and go to grad school. And then this job came along. And so we're, we're not going to grad school right now. Um, 
<laughs> but what would you have studied if you had gone to grad school? Well, that's the question. I was really interested in. Um, <laughs> I was really interested in journalism and women's and gender studies. I've been doing a lot of uh, writing at, at the time, and um, so I think those are the two things I was interested in. I was thinking trying to combine them. There's not. Um, God, this, I, this is a digression, but <laughs> I'm feeling very tangential tonight. Um, uh, a lot of grad schools, they, they, um, women's studies um, programs, degrees are often PhD um, degrees and not um, just master's degrees. So like, I was like, do I really want to get a PhD in women's studies? Um, maybe. You have time. You're just 22. <laughs> right. <laughs> So when the entire cast got together for the first table read of the first episode of Orange is the New Black, what was that like? There was no table read. There was no table we read. We tried to schedule one, but there, it, it didn't happen because of, of scheduling. So there was actually no table read. So we arrived on set, um, not really, you know, through trying to figure out the tone of the show, trying to figure it all out. So there was no table read. So I, 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 I got there the first day, and you said you wanted to ask about Jodie Foster, so I guess I'll tell you. <laughs> anyway, it's like, um, reading your mind but like my first day on set like I get there and and, um, and I'm like oh what's the food like so I go to crafting <laughs> <laughs> you know and, and so I'm at crafty and like this woman comes up to me and she's like hi I'm Jody. I'm directing episode three and I'm like I know who you are uh, <laughs> and, and and she and I'm like standing there like why is Jodie Foster talking to me and and she's like, oh, it's your first day, right? Let me show you around. And then she just she commences to give me a tour of the set, and and I'm like walking, but I'm like trying not to shake and like be freaked out and and stuff. And she's asking me questions about myself. Now at the time, I had no idea that episode three would be Sophia's backstory episode. So I'm just like dumbfounded. I'm showing up showing up on this like Netflix show um, to work one day on the first episode, and Jodie Foster's there. It's like. <laughs> and and um and so I get back to my dressing room and I'm shake I was shaking. I was a mess. And and I and I and I call my brother. My brother's here, M. Lamar. Make some noise for my brother. <laughs> And, and, and I called my brother and I was like, I was like, I'm freaking out. I just met Jodie Foster. I, I, I'm shaking. I don't know if I can work now. And he's like, breathe. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Focus. And I thought about, you know, something my acting coach Brad was like, take all that energy and put it into the work. Um, so <laughs> you've had a teacher like that. You understand. Um, so, so we got through it. And, and now I'm nominated for an Emmy. So w when did you realize that the third episode would be your big backstory episode? Um, there was, we were, we, actually, we were actually shooting um, the second episode. Um, I had one day on the second episode and we, um, and Gingy was there and, and she's like, we're, you know, we're doing your backstory in the next episode. I was like, oh, cool. And she said, we, um, we want to hire someone to um, play you pre-transition. Um, and I was like, <laughs> I was feeling very like, you know of myself that day. I had a good day on set. I was like, who are you going to get to play? Who else could play me? <laughs> I have to do it, you know. And she said, well, we didn't want to re-traumatize you, which is, which is 
pretty, you know, it's real, it's legitimate. The interesting thing about that is, is, is um, grandiose as I was being in that moment. I was like, of course I can play. I'm an actor, you know. And I had done a student film, like, oh my God, probably like in 2005, 2006, where I played a trans character who dresses up like a guy to like steal a watch from someone. Um, it's, you know... <laughs> Um, and um, so I had to um, dress as a guy and I hadn't done this for a very long time and I remember I was like I went out I did it at home I remember like we had to do all kinds of stuff to you know uh, <laughs> you know hide myself um, and I remember going out into the street that day and it was it was very traumatizing actually it was awful and I remember when we were done with the scene I just couldn't wait to get out of that that boy drag but the funny thing is when when I saw the film it was actually the um because I had to be so specific about um who this this guy was it was the, some of the best scenes in the in the film for me as an actor so um so yeah um so you know um of course, I wanted to play pre-transition Sophia, but we know now, many of us know that my brother ended up playing um, pre-transition Sophia. Was that your idea? Did you suggest it? Uh, the funny thing is, when I was talking, I had met with Jody a couple of times. This is the only way I think I was able to like be directed by Jody Foster and not like <laughs> you know you know go into like a coma. Is that we got to? She it was her first. <laughs> it was her first TV show, so she was she was like she because she's come from film. She wants to meet with the actors. I'm like we never do that in TV. So I got two meetings with Jody. She was like Jody would. I got an email from um, production. I'm like Jody would like to meet with you on Monday. Are you available? And I'm like no, I'm not available <laughs> to meet with Jody. I'm just too busy. Just too busy to accommodate a living legend film icon. Sorry, can't do it. So, yeah, I met with Jody. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I got two meetings with her before beforehand, and I remember mentioning. I actually mentioned my brother in the meeting, but I don't know if it went over. It didn't compute for whatever reason, and so um, when it, we did. Um, so production was very nice. They were like, we um, charted, we saw this, so we saw Sophia's um, sort of transition. So we um, did a hair and makeup day where we sort of did, um, constructed those looks. And the last, the last look of the day, was like an eight-hour day, was the, um, so the, the guide look, what Marcus would look like. And they sort of put facial hair on me and stuff and like, you know, like a little, what are those do-rag things? And I was stretching and then Jody was at lunch and I was like, okay, I gotta butch it up because I gotta play this, you know? So I go to lunch and I'm like, you know, walking in, trying to be thugged out and stuff. Uh, <laughs> And Jody looks at me and she's like, we're going to have to hire somebody. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it's not the first time in my life that I was told that I was not butch enough. And and I I think that's why we're here. Um, So... (laughs) So they um, they started bringing in these these very butch black men, you know, to and they were standing them next to me and uh, photographing us together to find the right guy. And I was at one point, I was like, "Why don't you hold an audition so you don't have to?" Because they were paying people to like do this. Like, why don't you hold an audition? You have to pay people for that. And um, and then they um, contacted my agent um, Paul, um, and they were like, um, "Can we have a photo of Laverne for the breakdowns?" And um, and Paul was like, "Well, you know, she has a twin brother and Jen Houston, our brilliant Emmy nominated casting director." Jen's not here, but make some noise for Jen. <laughs> She's amazing. She, I think she should win the Emmy. Um, brilliant casting on our show. And she was like, I have to meet him. He, he auditioned and, and killed it, and, and, and the rest is history. That was a long story. We don't have all night. I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs> no, that was a good one. Thank you. I, I tried. 
Were you coaching your brother before the audition? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He um he went and did his thing. He's a musician. He's a brilliant musician. Imlamar.com. See, I, I'm plugging. Um, <laughs> he's a brilliant musician, but he also has a lot of stage presence, and he's been around... Um, theater and and performance he watched he would come to my ballet classes i was a dancer growing up so he's been around all this his whole life so he he you know he knows how to handle himself on stage and in front of a camera so he he did okay he did pretty well right good. <laughs> it's my brother never comes to this stuff it's really cool that he's here i'm like it's really cool um trace is here leash is here hey Okay. okay, Mark. <laughs> Please, I mean, if there are any more shout-outs that we need to do. Not that I'm aware. Oh, Seth is here. Where's Seth? Hey, Seth. Hey. Okay, we're good. <laughs> when, you, when you got the script for that third episode, what, what did you think when you finished reading it? Because th- this is not a typical trans character that we're used to seeing on TV. I said... I, well, I, cry, I laughed and I cried while I was reading it, and I, and I said to myself, "This is this is it." <laughs> I, I said, "This is it." I said, "This is the script I've been waiting for. This is the moment I've been waiting for." He he knows. My brother knows because I talked to him about a lot of this stuff. It's like this is the moment I got. I was like, "This is the time that I can really show what I've been training to do and show what what I got." And so I, I took it very seriously, and I prepared a lot. And, um, yeah, I had a really good time doing it. I had the best time of my life shooting this episode. Did that sense of this is what you've been waiting for, did that add pressure when it came time to film? Or did you it's use weird. it? weird. You know, in that moment, for whatever reason, I look back, and I don't think I felt the pressure. I just was in... Because I think, too, I think if I had known that this would be this runaway hit show, that there would have been pressure. I was like, I'm doing a... Wait. I was telling people, I remember telling my friend Will, William, I was like, oh, I'm doing this web series for Netflix. It's like, it's not a web series. It's a Netflix original series. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> And he was right. You know, this is like a different thing. But like, I think because I didn't know that it would this would be this runaway hit, that it was just about the work. It was just about me um, getting to have these great scenes with Tanya Wright and with and with Michael, who plays my son, and with and with Taylor and with all of the other actors. And and working with Jodie Foster was just like every time Jodie was like, "Oh, this is my," I would just be like, "What is Jodie saying?" You know, I just had. The t- I had the time of my life, you know? It was really one of those, like, moments that you dream about as an actor that I've dreamed about, and, and, I, and I got to do it. And, I, and I'm, it's really cool that, like, I think about this, it's really cool that, like, I finally got this opportunity that, like, you wait for your whole life, and I gave it my all, and I got nominated for an Emmy for it. That's, like, it's really cool. Like, this is, like, <laughs> this is... You know, because you, sometimes you know, when, it, when the chance comes, and I've had, and I've had some opportunities in my, in my life, in my career, but sometimes we don't always, like, we choke a little bit or we freak out. And I think because, and I have to be real, I may have if it were, like, a network show, you know, and I might have, but this one, it was just, I just got to be in the work. And um, I'm so grateful. I'm so, so grateful. Well, and it's special for Netflix shows because you are filming all of them in one go before anything ever hits the air. What, is it, what was it like on set before anybody outside of the set knew what Origins the New Black was? What was the feeling among the actors? 
we all knew that it was special. And, and, and a lot of us talk about, um, there was, a, I think it was episode six, the Whack Pack <laughs> episode. Do, are there fans of Oranges who need to be there? That, that's the episode where we have the rap battle, you know, because there are elections. And um, so at one point, there's like probably 70, 80 women in like the common room. And unfortunately, some of the some of the actors did not wear deodorant that day, um, which is unfortunate. Um, I don't know who method. it was. Um, Their method, yeah, right, right? They were really committed to the circumstances of being in prison. Um, and um, but I looked. I remember looking around that day, and it was like. I've never seen anything like this on TV before. There were like like 80 women in a room. I don't know if it was 80, but it felt like something like that. Like different shapes and sizes and races and ages. And I was like, this is really cool. I felt like it was really amazing and special. I remember saying to myself, I don't know if anybody's going to go for this. <laughs> I was like, who's going to watch this show about prison, women in prison, you know, with these women who are not like a size two and look like, you know, they should be on an episode of Gossip Girl. And, but like people are, people are obviously watching um, and we're, we're not shooting our third season now. So I, I realized, and I think a lot of us realized how special it was. I don't know. If, I don't think we like uh, anticipated that it would become the cultural phenomenon that the show has indeed become. No, I remember watching it when it, the weekend it premiered, and it was like, it's exactly what you were saying. It's like in The Wizard of Oz when she steps out into Oz and everything's in Technicolor, and you're seeing all of these different women on TV for the first time. And it's so shockingly refreshing. It's deep. It's like what's, it's really interesting because in this in the art form, I knew there's there's acting, and there's what we do as actors, and then there's like the showbiz part. And when you're when acting is about like humanity, it's about like truth, right? The, in telling the truth, and um, so much of what we see on television isn't necessarily that, <laughs> you know. And so what's interesting is that that is shockingly refreshing to see something truthful. Yes. When this is really what we're we're here for, um, which is also shockingly depressing. <laughs> But there's orange, so there's hope. That's right. What was your first indication that it had become a cultural phenomenon once the first season was released? I mean, I, I couldn't walk down the street anymore without people. You know, people are watching when like every other block. You know, someone's like, "Oh my god, this is a girl from Orange Is New Black." Oh my god, I love your show. Oh my, and then the, and then um, when I I I, I think I had two thousand Twitter followers when the, when the show started, and then like you know, I would I was adding at one point I was adding ten thousand a week. Wow. No, I, no, for real, I was adding ten thousand. So the, from like when we premiered to like. Mid September, maybe even the end of September, it's like ten thousand new follow- Twitter followers a week. It did, it did, um, it stalled. I remember it stalled at like you know forty that around forty thousand for a while, and then it like jumped. But like now I have like two, over two hundred thousand <clears throat> Twitter followers, which still isn't like I'm not Justin Bieber, you know. Um, <laughs> but like from two thousand to two hundred thousand is not bad in a year. Um, <laughs> And so, so that was sort of, it became an indication to the, to the social media following. And then on social media too, our fans are so excited about the show. So there are all these memes and all these gifs. Is it gifs or gifs? Is it gifs? Gifs. I like saying gifs. Um, but a lot of folks say gifs. So these gifs and all these memes and all these, all this fan art being, being constructed as well. So it's like something is going on here. And um, so, you know, early on, Pretty early on. And then I was all of a sudden getting all these media requests. And just things changed very quickly. 
um, very when, quickly. When did you realize that you were becoming kind of the spokesperson for trans people? Well, Time Magazine kind of really well. solidified some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> But but before that, um, I think it really because the funny thing for me is that like I've been doing um, mainstream media probably since since two thousand eight. I was on a on a reality show actually. I claim and I own that history. Uh, <laughs> um, and and so I was you know had some forays into mainstream media back then. And I and I decided at the time through a conversation with my brother actually um, that I was like, well, I'm very political and like I'm already a black transgender woman. That's a lot for people. Um, <laughs> should I talk about you know you know the issues that are important to me? When he, and he said to me, if you have a, a public platform, what's the point? Uh, unless you use it for something that's meaningful. And and I said, yeah, that that's true. And so that's really what I've been doing. So I would do my, my, my media stuff and I would talk about things that were important to me and, um, and try to shift the conversation where I thought it should go. Um, and I think when the, the, after the Katie Couric interview happened, I think that was a turning point in, in terms of um, the way in which people talked about me and the way in which people talked about trans issues, that, that was a moment that, that, that felt like a major shift um, when, when the Katie Couric interview happened. Is it going to be hard to find roles that will measure up to Sophia? Um, or can you not let that blinker you? I, you know, I try not to think about that. I have, I'm actually so busy now. I'm like, what am I doing today? You know, um, so I, you know, I'm not. I get, I think about that, but I also like there's there's stuff happening, and I, I think we. What I've come to believe is that we manif- we can manifest our own destiny and our own fate, and that. Right, and that I, we can put the energy out into the world the way the way we want it, and um, it might take a while. <laughs> it's taken me a, a while um, to have this moment. I think it's you know I don't talk about this a lot because I'm very cagey about my age and stuff. Obviously, I'm over 21, but like I actually <clears throat> being over 21, I moved to New York 21 years ago, and I um, was a dance major. Right when I basically when I was born, <laughs> I, I, I moved here. And I was a dance major at Marymount Manhattan College, and I um, started to transition into acting then. And I did my first movie when I was in college. And so I've been doing act this for a very long time, and just training very seriously, and going to auditions, and being rejected, which is what we, you know, we all do. Um, and you know, so, but I haven't like given up. You know, I was thinking about going to grad school, but I still went to the audition. So. Um, so it's, it, takes, it takes a while. So I believe, I'm starting to believe now, based on evidence, <laughs> um, that I can, you know, if I work really, really hard and continue to manifest um, what I want in the world for myself, that it can happen. And so I, I believe that there are more roles um, just as interesting, just as complicated and nuanced as Sophia. Um, right around the corner. And, but we're still, we're still doing Sophia. Sophia is... Um, we're, in, we're shooting season three right now, so she's she's not done yet. Which has been it's and it's what's been really great is that I have you know three seasons with this character. This is the longest I've spent um, outside of acting, 
class <laughs> um, the longest I've spent with the characters. So it's been really great to um, to live with her and, and and find new shades and colors and 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 have her you know continue to live. When it came to season two, did they let you know about uh, Sophia's arc earlier than it happened in season one when you were finding out the episode? No. <laughs> They don't tell me anything. I mean, maybe like they tell season season regulars, uh, series regulars, like what's going. I have no idea. Um, I have no idea. And so, but what's great is that we have. I mean, Jinji Cohen is just a genius, and all of our writers are so smart that I, I trust them and I trust the vision. And there's so many amazing characters on the show, and there's so many. Um, backstories to get to and there's so many things you know there's oh, I almost gave something away for season three <laughs> but there's so many um wonderful stories to tell <clears throat> excuse me there, there's so many ama- wonderful stories to tell um from so many different characters that it's i i'm so happy to be on this ride with with this um show that's nominated for 12 emmys um that's like that people are really connecting with, and that's also a show that's really and truly changing the world. I've I've gotten the chance to um do this really intense college lecture tour last year that I'm continuing in September, where I got to meet um, college students from all over the country who said that trans kids who said that they're um you know now when the people they talk about their identities as trans people they have an affirming point of reference in pop culture. This yeah. um this kid and um and the first person I've heard this many times at this point, but the, the first kid. I met this young trans guy in Vanderbilt University um, said that now when I tell people I'm trans, they're like, oh, like Sophia from Orange is the New Black. And there's no more conversation and they just can move on. It's not like, well, what does that mean? Oh, that's weird or whatever. Yeah. Like it would have been before. And he's, he's felt that there has been a shift now um, because of the show. They, I've heard trans folks have, or have, have come out as trans and have started to transition now because of this character. And, and folks who are not trans have, have written blogs and said that now they understand trans people better because of this character. And I think at the end of the day, it's not like a PSA for trans, you know, you know trans people are very discriminated against. It's not that. It's, <laughs> it's just this really human, nuanced, complicated chick who people can relate to and um, and it happens to be played by someone who's actually trans and I think that that's when it because people always ask me should um, trans people play tra- trans actors play trans roles I think the difference is um, with that is I think actors you know we all want to play everything right and I think actors should have, we have the opportunity to play whatever our hearts desire but I think the difference is for audiences that the audiences are not only connecting with this trans character they're connecting with the trans character that's actually played by a trans actor so then it's like a different kind of connection that they're finding unexpectedly I think a lot of folks are surprised that they're connecting to me um, so that that makes social change you know this little art of acting can actually change the world go fig leaf <laughs> Did you have... A oh, lot- my God. I'm sorry. I'm looking at Jamie, and Jamie's like, these are the... My publicist is here. These are the long answers we can't do on live TV. I think... I, I bet that's what Jamie's thinking right now. Because <laughs> you have to be soundbitey when you're on TV, and so you can't, like, be, you know, it's, you know, long-winded as I am in real life. I like it. <laughs> did you have... Did you have much input in how Sophia was written in the first season? Do you have more input now? No. 
<laughs> no, I think what um, we, I was doing, I did an interview with um, Jinji last week, and Jinji um, says that our, our, vo- our voices are in, her, are, in, are in their heads now. So, like, they, um, the writers, like, after a while, they get a sense of um, how the actors sound, and she says, like, they'll have our voices in their heads now. So now they write based on, like, you know, knowing us. So, um, so no. <laughs> um, and I wanted to go I'm back. Just an actor on this one. Just an actor. And are you still are you still in acting class? Are you still training? Emmy nominated and all. I, I was in, I wasn't in class this week, but I was in class last week, right? So yes, I'm still going to class, and still there's so much to learn. And and what's really you know I, I saw my some men last night, and it was it was such a beautiful production. I was just like, oh my god, I haven't I haven't done a play in a while, and there's just so much to learn. There's so much more to learn, and um, so much more that I want to do as an artist. And and I, I have a very busy schedule now, but um, it's important for me to keep growing. Um, I think that's really what it's all about. It's getting better at what you do. So. What's the one thing you use most from your training on set? One. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, what's the thing you never use <clears throat> from your training on the set? So, I mean, I think what, what, I, what actually tends to work for me more than anything else um, with, when the anxiety comes up, when just, it's, it's that sort of Meisner thing of putting everything on the other person. And I do that when I do um, college lectures. I do that. Um, I'm not doing it that much tonight because I'm feeling very self-indulgent tonight. Um, <laughs> but, but, but the thing, the thing of uh, taking all the energy off myself and putting it on the other person, it really helps me with nerves, really helps me when I get like, sort of caught up in my own stuff or, or overly obsessed with like, what's going on with the character. That really, it's, it's something that, um, it's about being in action. And it's... Um, it's about you know connecting, and so when I put all the energy on the other person too, then it helps me connect, and so I take it all off me. I think that piece, thank you, Brad. <laughs> that piece has made, has completely made made the difference for me with, with the work, um, and that is something I find myself constantly reminding myself of. But there's but there's I mean there's just so many things to think about um, when you're an actor, and then and ideally in the moment not think about. <laughs> So that you're in, you know, you're doing, you do the prep, and in the moment, you know, you live. Um, so, but that's, that would say that was the biggest one. Is it difficult doing the prep and um, making the choices in fast-paced TV when you don't know what the next script is going to bring? Well, we make choices with that, with that, with what we have in front of us. Right. So I make the choices based on um, the script that I have there, and. Um, you know, and I prepare, and then what's great, what's wonderful about this, I mean, most, a lot of TV shows have different directors, um, was having different directors, so different directors bring different energy, and so being prepared to work with different directors and take notes um, and take adjustments um, from different directors has, has been huge, too, so that I don't get too married to my prep, <laughs> that my prep allows me to be in the moment and, and maybe need to change it all up. Yeah. Um, in the moment. They can't all be Jodie Foster. <clears throat> but we have amazing, we have amazing directors on, on our show. Andrew McCarthy, um, um, Michael, um, oh God, Michael, Gus, um, I can't even name all the directors. We have a lot of, they're all, there's, every, every director is different. I mean, Jodie's, you know, the name, I guess. Um, but they all bring something amazing to the table and there's something to learn from every director. When you have a different director every week, do you ever find yourself having to not defend the character, but step up for her a little bit in terms of what they're asking 
you to do? That hasn't been my experience. And I've, I've seen um, some other actors on the show have had, um, I don't want to say issues, but um, have had maybe had some of those moments. I, I don't know, maybe because of my training and I started as a dancer and, and I just, I feel like make it work. A lot of my work with Brad, I'm so glad he's here tonight because I, I had a feeling I'd be talking a lot about you. Um, so it's good to have people in the room where you're talking about them, you know, so it's not, you're ta- not talking about them behind their backs. Um, a lot of my work, <laughs> although it's all good and positive, um, a lot of my work with Brad has been about being directed and not taking, a, can, I, can I quote you? <laughs> he says that a, an adjustment is not a judgment. Yeah. We, that's good, right? That's good. An adjustment is not a judgment. So, <laughs> I'm such a dork. So, um, so that like my work really is to, is to interpret because sometimes different directors will give you notes that are kind of weird, you know, where it's like, what exactly? And so my job as an actor is to try to figure out how to translate that note. I mean, usually I get it. A few times I'm like, I don't understand what you talk, where you're talking about and ask for explanation. But my job really is not to question. My job is to make it work. Yeah. My job is to take what I um, believe is, is the truth about this moment in the character and marry that. I always, see, I always see um, building a character and building a scene as a collaboration. It's a collaboration between me and the other actors and the director. Um, sometimes the cinematographer. I mean, it's a costume person, depending on what. It's all film and TV. Is such a, it's a collaborative thing, and I actually love that. I love um, feeding off of the energy of, of, of other folks on set, and I love um, getting a note from a director that um, there was um, scene in season two. Um, and I always forget her name, one of our directors, we have so many directors, and she gave me these, this amazing note that like totally changed the way I, I viewed this endless little monologue, viewed the moment I had, and I was, it was just, it was one of those things that I live for because it just all happened in the moment in a way that I didn't expect. Yeah. So it's like, I, for me, the best thing is to have be in the moment and maybe the actor, other actor in the scene or actors in the scene do something that I didn't expect. And then like all of a sudden I'm doing something different or the director says something and it's like completely different than I thought it would be. And, um, uh, that's, that's the good stuff. So I think the work for me as an actor is not, is, I mean, is not to fight with directors. It's, um, I think luckily I think we have brilliant directors on the show. There's some, obviously some situations where it, there might not be a skilled a director that you might need to, you know, have a moment with. But it, we, I, that's not the case on our show. And you train as a dancer originally. Do you still carry some of that training into your work as an actor? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's weird because on, on, on camera, the physical life, you know, for the, the 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 way that the character moves in the physical life is you know it has to be in a box and there's like close ups and stuff but but yeah so the, I find it's weird because sometimes I'll find the character in a in a stance or you know with the with um, orange a lot of times I don't feel like I'm Sophie until I have those boots on you know that the the boots um, the the prison boots really like get me in prison you know and she, you walk a certain way um, with those boots on and it like they're they I get blisters from them and it's they're heavy and um so some, so the, the physical piece is really important to me with um with, with constructing character but some it's a voice it's a lot of it's a lot of things but the, the, the connecting physically is actually still really important to me that I'm, I'm connected to my body it's different on on film than it is it, uh, it's even more important i think on stage for me um but it's still important on film so yeah the dance training has um I think I think I maybe have an awareness of my body because of all that training, and it was a lot of training. It was classical ballet mostly, um, 
but jazz and modern and all that stuff. So I, I think that gave me this awareness. And then it also put me on stage very early too. So that, so that when I um, am in moments, I'm like, it doesn't, I've been doing this, I've been doing this since I was eight, eight years old, um, you know, um, and I'm now just 22. <laughs> what prompted you to transition over from dancing to acting? My, I, I, my, I'm writing a book now, and so my, my editor's like, don't tell too many stories, save them for the book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm like, I, but then I, you obviously I'm a talker, I want to like tell you everything. Um, I, um, I wanted to say Marymount, I, I went to Marymount Manhattan College for, for college. I went, to, I did two years at Indiana University, and then I just transferred to Marymount, and I was a dance major there. But my first week at Marymount, a guest teacher by the name of Daniel Banks saw me in the hall and said, you'd be perfect for this play that I'm doing. And I didn't, I didn't know at the time that you're supposed to get permission from the dance department to do things outside the department. And I was like, cool, I want to do a play. And, um, <laughs> the play was, um, was Max Frisch's and Dora, and I didn't have any lines. I played the village idiot, and I grinned and nodded. I, that, that's what I did. And um, the character is sort of a mirror of the, of the lead character in, in the play. And I, I, I hate saying this, but I stole the show. Like, everyone was sort of talking about my performance because there was this, maybe it's because I was a dancer and, like, I, I learned how to sort of be on stage and make an impact without, without words. And it was a really, Daniel was amazing, and it was a really transformative experience for me. And I ended up doing, you know, going and taking acting classes in the theater department. I did a, a number of productions in the theater department. I was at the, and also at the time, too, by the time I had gone to Marymount, I was sort of burnt out on dance. I loved dance but it was so gendered and I um you know I'm trans and stuff um, <laughs> so um I had um I was starting I was at that point where I was just really not into like performing this masculine thing and I was never really good at it either so there was this um there was this desire to make me, you know, into this sort of, you know, um, danseur, you know, this sort of prince who would like, you know, and I'm just like, it just didn't feel right. So it was just feeling really oppressive with the gender stuff. Um, and I was there on scholarship. I had a dance scholarship, but I had an academic scholarship as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So I was, you know, so I was required to do, you know, this stuff in the dance department. It just felt really oppressive. And, and acting um, just felt freer at the time. And um, I remember I was at Marymount, and, and again, my brother saw me. I did it, had done one of these student productions where I did this interpretive sort of modern dance. And I, did, and I recited a poem afterwards. And, um, and he happened to be in town. I don't know why you were here in New York. Um, yeah, he was, he was, you were at Yale at the time. Maybe you had just come down. Maybe you'd come down from, for the weekend or whatever. Um, and he saw this show. He was like, you can act. And he'd see me dancing in my whole life. So you can really act. This is what you should be doing. And for many, many years, he encouraged me. And it wasn't until after I graduated that I, I mean, I did my first movie in college. So I, I was, you know, so I was acting in college. But then I didn't really get serious until after I graduated. And I found, I'd done, a, a, done an independent film. And this girl that I worked with, I used to wait tables at a place called Coffee Shop in Union Square, not far from here. And um, a girl, Candace, that I was working with, um, said, I'm working, studying with this acting coach named Susan Batts. And you should come check her out. And I went to her class, and I was like, this is really cool. And that's when I really got serious. And I, and I studied with Susan for about five years. Um, and it was, that was intense. <laughs> Do you... 
I, t- I, did, I, was a, I was a fill-in teacher at Susan's studio as well. At one point, Susan was like, you, you understand the work, and, and you, I'd like you to teach. And so I, I, I taught there as well. Thank you for reminding me of that. What um, is teaching acting like? <laughs> I, I mean, it's been a while. I have to say, this was like, oh my God, this is probably like over a decade ago or so. I haven't taught in a while. Um, I guess I'm teaching in my own ways now. Um, but teaching acting is intense, you know. And her, pro- I was teaching her process. It was a, she has a class called Exer Actor, um, where you use called exercising your actor. And she, it's a, it's a dropping class that she still does. Um, and it's really, it's really intense. And it's in her, her, um, a lot of her process is based in sense memory. So um, it was. Yeah, really, you know, relaying the way she approached the process of acting. And it was a really intense process. I actually really loved it, I have to say. And I, and I have a degree in dance, actually. Um, and I was like, I could technically teach dance, but I've never wanted to teach dance. But teaching acting, I think, is really, is really cool because you kind of, a lot of it is about getting to the truth of who a human being is. At the end of the day, like, you're trying to get to the core of who someone is. That really is the work and, and so much of her process is about the unfulfilled need. You should, her book Truth is amazing. Like you should, you, you should check if you care. Uh, <laughs> you should, oh, Susan Batson wrote this great book called Truth that sort of you know she goes into depth about her process. But the whole the whole thing of the unfulfilled need I think is really interesting. That we all as human beings have an unfulfilled need that starts around the age of five years old. And so so. For her, the, 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 the work as an actor that is really at the highest level in every moment in, 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 the, in the play or in the film or TV show, the need of the, of the character, the unfulfilled need is infused in every moment. In every moment of the character, so even when they're when they're in the tra- their tragic flaw, or even when they're in, in in their objective, the need is still layered in there, and it's a it's a really it's hard, <laughs> it's really hard, and a lot of it is really hard because there's um, she was really interested in us going. She would always there's this actually is what's funny is she's um. She um, is in the Spike Lee film, um, Girl Six. And, um, oh God, this, I won't tell the story about um, how she ended up in the film. Um, but she, she plays an acting coach in the film. And she's, she's, a, she's, this, she's about five foot tall. And she's this black, beautiful black woman. Um, it's like, you know, this sort of messy um, bob, long bob. And she's like, where's the bottom? Where's the bottom? I need a bottom! You know? Um, <laughs> and, and it's not like, a, you know, it's not about being in Chelsea looking for a bottom. Um, <laughs> what Susan meant... Um, what Susan made was where, where is the where is the where is the need where where is that unfulfilled need where we understand the core. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Gosh, you love my I love my gays. Um, it's about that unfulfilled need being in every scene, being infused in every single moment. What is the what is the what is the core uh, of the character? And it's was training that is really I obviously carry it with me to this day. And it's I I, I love um, and Brad and Ben Susan have been these two pivotal teachers in my in my life that I their work is my work with them has um, changed me as an artist. So I'm I'm really grateful for my years with Susan. And then how does, since we have a room full of actors here, how does all of this training help you prepare for auditions? 
That's a whole other thing. <laughs> the funny thing about, I mean, we all know this, that, that, that the work that we do in class, I mean, there's, the, Brad is actually really good, good at addressing the audition process, and, and Susan, Susan as well, but there's, there's the work of, like, auditioning is not what you do when you're on set, you know, it's, it's a completely different, there's like a reader maybe that you're reading with who sometimes, you know, you can really use, <laughs> and then sometimes you can't, um, and, and it's a very sort of artificial environment, and there's so nerves, and it's like, a lot of the, what Brad has been really great with, um, with me was just, it's a, but it's a different skill set. What I do, I think most of us understand that, that being on set and working as an actor is a really different skill set than going in and auditioning. And you, there's a specific set of skills that you need. And it's funny because for, for a while before I met Susan, I thought, oh, I'm going to act, you know. And I, but you need that skill set. You need to be able to work with someone who can prepare you to go in and do that because it's very specific. So, um, uh, yeah, I've, you train specifically to audition, um, and then you, then that, then the, when you get the job, then hopefully you'll continue to train to, to create the the walking, talking human being, as if, as, um, as as Susan Batson would say. So, when you go in for an audition, what do you do? Do you have any superstitions, any rituals? One actor once said that he used to hide in bathrooms, and he had the uh, casting associate come get him when it was his turn because he didn't want to hear anybody else read. Oh, interesting. Oh, God. <laughs> so that's intense. I mean, we do. We, whatever works for you, I think, is, is, I think it's about figuring out what works for you. You know, I've, it's, and every situation's different. It's weird auditioning now that I've been on this show that, that people love. So they go, I walk into audition rooms and, 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 and casting directors and, and directors are fans of my work. So they're like, first of all, I have to say I love you in orange. And I'm like, it's just weird. It's like a, it shifts the, um, it shifts the energy in, in yeah. the room a lot. I, you know, I, I turn off my phone. I, um, I try not to do any, I like to not do anything before the audition so that, um, the audition is the first thing I do, even if it's at four o'clock that I've been preparing, um, beforehand, um, that day. So this so is all of the material and the, and the circumstances are, that is what is at front of mind for me. Um, so the, it's just, it's about, it's about, for me, it's about focus and, um, ideally about, Letting, letting everything else in the world go, but the moments in, in the script. What's been challenging for me is I'm doing so many other things now to um, have that level of, of sort of focus and commitment to the work as an actor while I have all these other things going on. And, um, and all the other things are, are part of the business too, um, but it's not the, the, it's not the work of being an actor. Um, this is the show business part that we got to do too. And then, we, ha- we don't have to. We have time for one last question, and then we have to leave. Okay. Oh, so we didn't get questions from the audience? I'm, I'm, I'm long-winded. See, this is what happens. No, it's, it's okay. It's okay? It's okay. No they judgment. knew the score. They knew the score coming in. They knew Laverne was okay. like, going to talk a lot. <laughs> um, so, talking about auditions, what is your worst audition story? Oh, God. <laughs> Do I have to? What? Tell us names. Oh, no, we never name names. This is the thing. You don't last long in this business naming names. Um, oh, gosh, my worst audition experience. There was, there was a moment when I was, oh, God, I can't, I don't think I can tell this. Um, Please. <laughs> 
well, well, Mr. Calcaterra says, say the first thing that comes to your mind. So the first thing that came to my mind, oh God, I was still in college actually. And I, um, and I was working with this, um, this agency that at the time was um, working with um, sort of people who were club personalities and alternative talent, like gender non-conforming and drag performers and whatever, um, when I was in college. So I, they sent me out for this, for this play. I remember I asked, I was very young. I was very, very young. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't, I really didn't understand how things work, but I remember I asked during the audition how much the job paid. <laughs> and I remember them looking at me like, <laughs> like I was insane from like another planet or something. And I was remember going in very sort of arrogantly and very, um, with, with no respect. And, um, it was really, and I, in, in a way, I was so young and not even, I understand now. It was really, it was, it was just very disrespectful, um, to the process and to the work that was going on. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it's embarrassing. Um, it's really embarrassing that that happened. But I think that was, um, and I didn't, and at the end of the day, the work wasn't good. You know, the work that I had done that day wasn't good. And so, um, yeah, I think I was, you know, I'll be writing about this in the book. But when I was, when I was younger, I was very, very defensive because I was in a lot of pain that I had not yet dealt with. Um, I had not found my bottom. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Wow. Um, <laughs> Susan, I'm sorry. Um, so I was, I was in a lot of pain that I wasn't dealing with, and, I, and, I, and, I, and it came out in this, in this way that was really unfortunate in the audition room. And I think so much of my work and training as an actor has been about dealing with that so that, it, um, so that I can use it in the work and so it does not um, um, take me out of the work. So, so that, that, that is the work, dealing with your shit. <laughs> but how much did that job pay? They just looked at me like <laughs> it's crazy, and and just what they were. It was like a next kind of thing. It was, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that was bad. Well, thank you so much for coming and sitting and talking to all of us today. This has been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for all coming out today. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to the sag After Foundation's Conversations podcast. If you appreciated what you heard, please support us with a review or donation. And reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at SAG-AFTRA-FOUND. We'd love to hear from you.